What's going on, folks? Welcome to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and one day soon a true proletarian revolution. But until that day comes, until we all know what that means and why we want it, I am your host, Josh, and as I said, welcome to In Defense of Liberation. Uh, If this is your first time tuning in, I hope you are well. Uh, I hope that you will enjoy the show, and I hope that if you don't, uh, you will not simply leave without letting me know what it is that I, you know, did that you didn't like. Um, I find, personally, although it's not always the most pleasant, and I don't always abide by it, that sometimes uh, the best way to learn how you must grow, uh, how you must be better, is not always a, uh, a pleasant experience and not always coming from people who like you. Um, that doesn't mean that every time somebody says something bad about you that you ought to listen to it. But my point being that I would like to hear from folks what it is that they honestly think of the show. And when you end up liking someone, you don't always give them the full truth, you know, because you don't want to hurt them. You don't want to let them down. Well, you know, whatever you feel like saying, I want to know. I want to know what's good about the show. I want to know what's bad. I want to know what I talk about that needs to change, what ideas that I need to work on, what takes that you've heard of mine that are incorrect by your own analysis and why. Books to read, podcasts to listen to, organizations to reach out to, groups to join. Um, I want to hear it all. And I want to hear what you're doing as well. Because, you know, that's another thing. If you want to sit here and tell someone something, you want to try to talk about something like you know better. Well, if you know better, why? Because none of us just know better because we're just that smart. These folks who get into these armchair philosopher positions oftentimes have an issue with ego that I myself continuously struggle against. Because of that, it has less to do with the correctness about ideas. It has more to do about ourselves feeling correct. So in that way, you know, I'd love to hear what folks are doing, how folks are doing, what folks are listening to, reading, and uh, different groups to get involved with. One group that I think you should get involved with, that I think everybody should get involved with, because it was an internationalist, it is an internationalist group, and it was an internationalist meeting that they just held, that I believe that everybody needs to begin joining, and that is the Spirit of Mandela, as well as, I think its uh, full name is the, um, well, actually, I'm not going to go on that, because I, I, I just want to say that. The Spirit of Mandela co-hosted an event today between organizers such as uh, Sahar Francis, um, Jalil Muntakim, um, Luis Rosa, um, and two other comrades who, because I am um, driving, I'm not looking at their names on the program, but one of whom was from uh, Western Sahara and the other one was from West Papua. Um, So there was these folks that were, you know, chairing it and leading it on the panel. Um, And uh, then I think in total, there was something like, there had to be like 50 people there. 
And, um, you know, the chat was blowing up, people giving solidarity, giving messages of encouragement. And we were able to hear about the International Tribunal of Abuses Against Black, Brown, and Indigenous People uh, from the word, you know, the words of Jaleel Muntakim himself, who, uh, after being in prison for 40 plus years, got out and immediately, immediately helped begin this uh, movement towards finding uh, the United States officially, you know, so that they can't keep going around. Uh, portraying themselves as having not committed acts of genocide against uh, black, brown, and indigenous people. Uh, Jaleel Muntakim, the Spirit of Mandela, and other organizations like it, folks like Paul Robeson, James Baldwin in the 50s, right? Why they bring these charges to the United Nations and why they bring these charges to international tribunals is not because they think that the United Nations or these international tribunals in and of themselves can uphold the law and can, uh, you know, hold uh, the United States accountable, but that this is the prerequisite to which we base our movement in and allows for a new sense of uh, understanding and knowledge and also power in the hands of the people. Because one of the main things that uh, Jalil Muntakim and the Spirit of Mandela uh, organization intends to do is to set up what they are referring to as a people's senate. So as to figure out what it is that the masses themselves who have had to suffer at the hands of this settler colonial empire, what consequences that they feel are appropriate and will hold the U.S. accountable will ultimately be the guiding force and the guiding objectives by which the spirit of Mandela and the mass movement for liberation within Turtle Island and across the world will be led. Because otherwise, we're basing a lot of our ideas, a lot of our uh, attempts and approaches to resolving the contradictions that capitalism and imperialism create through the avenues and the organizations and the efforts that we've been told our whole lives are how you do it. You know, I was able to shout out, I'm going to shout out my comrade Mary, Um, for an amazing discussion and meeting today. I'm coming to you after having met with her. Today is February 21st, um, just to give folks a point of reference. But we talked about the ongoing tenant organization that we're doing and the fact that a lot, a lot of people, like you have those who are a part of the coalition that we have uh, been a part of, who are, you know, in the PSL or the DSA or in other organizations who, you know, obviously have a clear analysis of capitalism, imperialism, have uh, understanding that, you know, it's not, it's a system of exploitation. And so therefore the system itself cannot resolve the system. You know, they're not, uh, uh, I, I won't say they're not reformist. They're not explicitly reformist. Because I will say that, you know, some tendencies do allow for reformism in certain instances. But anyways, my point being that there are those who are part of the coalition who know, like, okay, if we just call codes, right, 
it's not going to fix anything because codes might come in and they might say, I don't see a problem. Or, you know, codes might be buddy-buddy with the landlord and they might not even come in to do the inspection at all. Um, Or, you know, as my comrade Mary pointed out, uh, especially to the tenants that we were organizing with, is the fact that even if we had a robust and proactive, remember, codes enforcement does not proactively look for issues. It, it's called when issues are already prevalent and oftentimes doesn't show up and B, doesn't actually have any power to do anything. Um, they can levy fines, but a lot of these huge landlords and corporations can just pay those fines and not have to care because the fines are often cheaper than the fixing of the problems in the building would be. So, of course, they're just going to pay the little fine and then not do anything about it. But anyways, I'm again losing my train of thought. There's those who recognize that and, you know, then there are the tenants or, you know, oftentimes the groups of people that folks are trying to help out that don't really understand that, that like, Like, for example, most of the tenants that we meet with, one of the first things they want to do is they want to call codes. Okay, well, we'll call codes, right? Because if we call codes and if the tenants themselves are able to experience alongside with us codes basically dropping the ball, they're more likely to then want to move on to the next approach rather than if, you know, again, and this is not to say that I've never done this myself, but Instead of being like, no, codes will never work. What the fuck is wrong with you? Don't you know? You know, instead of being disrespectful and trying to be smarter or, you know, holier than thou, we go, okay, you know, we will work alongside with you. We will support you. We will do whatever it is you feel is necessary. If you get organizing with, you know, uh, your coworkers, right? And you unionize and uh, or let's take it back. Let's say you start talking to your coworkers about the bullshit that's happened to you at work. One of the most important things that, you know, in my organizing experience, I've learned is you want to ask people what their picture of better looks like. Right. So let's say you ask your coworkers, okay. know we all are dealing with this bullshit what is going to make it better what you know jimmy what's going to make jimmy like his his job better jimmy might say i could do two dollars more in my paycheck well do we then turn to jimmy and say well no jimmy that won't work because you're still going to be broken you're still going to be incapable of paying your bills so you know that's really uh, not going to work and $2 isn't going to be enough. We have to ask for 10 or, you know, we can't just ask for more money. We need power, you know, cause they're never going to listen to us. So we don't need to ask for wages. We need to ask for control. Jimmy is probably not going to show up to the next fucking meeting. And Jimmy might not talk to you the next day at work because Jimmy might feel that you just attacked him. And let's say like Charlotte over here, right? Charlotte's like, okay, you know, I I dig what Jimmy's getting on. I could do $2 in my paycheck. But you know what I really need? I need days off because I got kids, right? I need every weekend off. 
Do we turn to Charlotte and say, Charlotte, there's no fucking way you're getting every single goddamn weekend off. There's no reason to even ask for it. So let's move on to the next thing. Anybody else got any ideas? Because Charlotte's going to be like, yo, they don't like me. They don't like my ideas. Even if that's not how we present it. Even if we say, well, you know, Charlotte, that sounds like a really good idea, but I just don't think this is going to work because, you know, the way in which capitalism works, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, Charlotte still might take it personally. Charlotte still might think, you know, oh, well, they don't like my idea. So instead, you know, what we should do is we need to get with people, right? And what I mean by that is there's exploit and oppress people everywhere. We need to be joining groups. We need to be attending demonstrations. We need to be trying to develop unions in our workplace. We need to be building, you know, neighborhood uh, community groups. We need to be doing all kinds of things, right? We need to find ways in which we can connect with the people. Once we connect with the people, right? Once we are there, again, we have to ask, What is it that we're going for here? How is it that we can help? What is it that we're trying to do? Without having a bias or an overarching sentiment that disallows people to give a honest explanation as to what it is that they think needs to be done. You need to create an open environment by which, you know, the people you're organizing with feel safe and comfortable enough to share their ideas. When they share their ideas, you need to hear them, listen to them. And I, by that I mean literally listen, like obviously. Don't be a dick and just be like, oh, I'm going to do the thing where I ask people to speak, but I know what I want to say, so I'm just going to wait until it's my turn to speak and then I'm going to speak. Do the like active listener thing where you listen to what other people are saying, but also try to think You know, try to look at the situation, the circumstances, the person individually, and try to come up with an analysis as to why it is you think these people would think the way that they do. Not to turn around and say, I know that you think this because of this, but to just have that in the back of your head. Because, okay, let's say, you know, Charlotte wants to be with her kids because, you know, um... Uh, she had a bad family relationship and, um, you know, she's worked ever since she was a kid. Maybe she was pregnant at a young age um, and she hasn't been able to rekindle the relationship she once had with her kids before she started working, right? And then let's say on the opposite end, you know, Jim wants two extra dollars in his paycheck because according to Jim, uh, his baby mama is forcing you know, him to pay more money out in his childcare and he needs more money to go, you know, gamble or to spend on cars or to, you know, indulge in, in, you know, commodities and, and stuff like that. We need to know that again, not to be like, Hey Jim, I think that's stupid. And I think that you, you know, we don't need to come in here with any moralistic analysis or any kind of higher than now, holier than now vibe. But we got to know why Jim thinks what Jim thinks. And we got to know what Charlotte, why Charlotte thinks what Charlotte thinks. Because when we go to have conversations with them, that helps us to know what points to hit. 
me and the comrade Mary. Again, we're talking about the fact that for some people, environmentalism is an issue because, you know, they care about animals and they think they're cute. And for some people, environmentalism is an issue because they live behind a factory that pollutes the water and they don't have clean drinking water. Or, you know, for some people, environmentalism is an issue because their entire livelihood, culture, and way of life, indigeneity, and attempt to govern themselves has been at ends with the very capitalist and imperialist system that is developed here on Turtle Island and in places like Hawaii where they do not have clean drinking water because of the United States Navy's pollution of the water. And it would be pretty important to know in conversations with people why it is that they fucking care about environmentalism. Because if you're trying to talk to them about environmentalism in the same way that you would talk to someone who has polluted water and understands that shit, when in fact they just think that doggies are cute, well then maybe you're not going to connect with them. But if you can say, well, you know, you're not going to be able to have a really cute doggy because you work three jobs and you haven't seen your kid in forever and, uh, you know... You're not going to be able to get a doggy because you don't have health care. And, you know, you, you're you not going to be able to pay dog insurance and your insurance. Again, the conversations are the very founding and, and uh, primary point by which we can begin to implant certain ideas and certain critiques of other ideas in people's minds. Um, again, stressing here, not for the purpose of being correct and feeling correct, but for the purpose of giving people correct information. So on that point, you are not just correct because you think so. You are not just correct because a part of your analysis is factually upheld. Correctness is also not just ideological and theoretical. Because things can be correct theoretically while not being able to be applied to the reality in such a way. There is complexity and nuance and contradictions within everything that are not in existence in isolated metaphysical experimental analysis within uh, the laboratories of our minds, right? If we read a book and in that book we can say these ideas make sense, that does not mean when you go to give those ideas to the people or to try to apply those ideas in action that they're going to work the same way that they worked in the formulaic analysis of a theoretical text, right? Um... So, Jalil Muntakim's coming back to the uh, Spirit of Mandela, uh, you know, group. He spoke to the fact that, you know, Comrade George Jackson and Huey P. Newton and Bobby Seale and Asada Shakur and uh, Seiko Toure, or excuse me, um, not Seiko Toure, well, he, actually, he, I believe he might have mentioned Seiko Toure, but um, uh, Sadia Akolai uh, uh, is... Uh, who I'm thinking of, I cannot remember his first name to save my goddamn life. Uh, but also folks like Mutula Shakur and, uh, you know, plenty of others who are evidence to the reality that we are facing today of what happens 
when you try to organize, what happens when you become political? And this is because there is a system, a reality here that is benefiting a ruling class, that is benefiting a wealthy and powerful elite group of capitalists and imperialists who have each and every administrative and powerful role within society in their grasp. They have the control of the banks, the media, the education systems. They have control over the police, over the National Guard, over the military. And what we are doing among the left here on Turtle Island is arguing with one another about whether or not our ideas or somebody else's ideas are correct. Without ever taking those ideas and experimenting them against reality. So what does the spirit of Mandela want to do? They want to set up a people's senate to hold the United States accountable. But before we can hold the United States accountable, we have to meet. We have to talk. We have to see where people are at. We got to know what it is that they want. We got to know what it is what they want to do. We got to know what it is they think that we want. And we got to let them know what it is that we want to do. We got to see who sticks around. We got to see what comes of it. We got to strategize. We got to think tactics. And then... We got to do shit, which means we got to fail. It means we got to try shit that doesn't always work or doesn't work right away or doesn't work the way that we thought it would or doesn't work at all. And we got to fucking try it with the same goddamn energy that we try everything. We got to try that. And then when it fails, we move to the next. Because at the end of the day, what organizing is, what you know, building a class struggle is, is it's bringing the existent movements and people groups that are fighting for liberation together, getting them talking with one another, getting them, you know, developing projects together and strategies and political education and militant fronts against, you know, police repression and housing coalitions and community fridges, right? And then it's doing all of that and seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work. And then it's having that pre-existent base, that pre-existent structure, that organization, that party, that group, that whatever, that is together, that is united that is the same in the sense that they are working towards something together, working towards something different than what we have right now and willing to struggle to get there, willing to fight and learn and grow and build and reanalyze and reconstitute ourselves and restructure ourselves. But instead, we oftentimes deal with the difficulties that come from that organizing in a way which leads towards hopelessness, leads towards inaction, 
and leads towards ideological and abstract uh, struggle rather than boots on the fucking ground, grassroots movements. Because movements are way more likely, way more quick, way more effective at coming to conclusions about what works and what doesn't work than you, me, and our fucking groups meeting once a week to talk about shit. Because movements put that shit into action and shows us what the reaction will be quite quickly. The protests for black lives that were happening in 2020 and have been going on, you know, intermittently for countless generations, each time show us where the people of Turtle Island are at in their willingness to stand against police brutality. We learn quite quickly by the rubber bullets and the batons of the police, the lynch mobs of the KKK, which is still actively killing people today on Turtle Island, and we talk about it like it was in the past. We talk about it like it was just affecting folks in the 50s and the 60s. We talk about it like it's not here. We talk about it like an 81-year-old woman wasn't hung on display in Louisiana months ago. We talk about it like land defenders and water protectors from the indigenous nations here on Turtle Island aren't actively sitting in jail cells right now getting their asses beaten by these fucking pigs. So when we think about organizing, what we aren't thinking about is fucking action. Fucking movements. And that's not to say that people aren't, because guess what? Here's this cool thing. I made this point again with Comrade Mary. There's never nothing happening. Look all over the world. There's always something. Always a movement. Always a fight. Always resistance. Always struggle. There is never nothing. But knowing that there will be periods in which we struggle, that it is popular, that it is supported or at least... For example, during 2020, everyone was posting Black Lives Matter or everyone was posting Blue Lives Matter, right? You you had that polarization moment, that period of, you know, resistance. From that, now we've hit our lull. We've hit a period of repression, of reaction. We, as communists, as socialists, as revolutionaries, need to be able to build, grow, plant roots, develop connections, build relationships, develop projects, and keep struggling in moments of revolution, of popular support, and in moments of repression and reaction. We have to know how to struggle above ground. We have to know how to struggle legally. We have to know how to struggle within the avenues by which the U.S. government and the bourgeois capitalist imperialist system has put in place for us as distractions, as divisive tools, as ineffective models for change, and push through to show the masses of people 
why it is these avenues have been set up, why it is these have been unsuccessful and ineffective in leading towards change, why it is that people have stepped away historically from these efforts and moved towards things like popular power, like dual power, like organization, and like other things even like armed struggle. We have to give people the tools by which they can understand the world around them in that way more easily comes from experience than it does from conversation. Conversation is the starting point. We bring the starting point, what we talked about in the beginning of the episode, how important it is as an anchoring point, as a possibility to put new ideas into people's minds, and we have to have the follow-through. The follow-through being the movement, the demonstrations, the action, the petition, the people's senate, the Uh, international tribunal, right? From that action, we must also debrief. We must meet again. We must organize. We must coalesce with one another and discuss what it is we feel we've learned from these experiences. That's not just going to happen. You have to lay the groundwork again. We have the conversations and we build the organizations in moments of repression and in moments of isolation, not because of wanting to have echo chambers by which we can consistently meet and be um, validated in our thinking, but to have pre-existing structures of support, of community, of organizing that then can be used again in moments after action to reanalyze, to reassess. Okay, we, you know, for example, in my area, we had a Palestinian solidarity rally in 2021, in the summer of 2021. And at that meeting, there was probably, hmm, I'd say nearly 100 people Of those 100 people, there was a fucking genuine, like, crowd there. Like, for example, the, uh, the, the area where I'm organizing, there's 33 national and ethnic groups that live within the, um, uh, uh, municipal or, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Anyways, they live within this region, right? There's about 195,000 people. There's something like 33 national ethnic groups. So it was a Palestinian solidarity rally, right? But then uh, groups from Myanmar, from Iran, from uh, Yugoslavia, from um, uh, Bosnia, from uh, Africa. I forget where in Africa, so I, I won't specify... Um, but, uh, all, you know, most of whom were immigrants, um, most of whom understood, you know, clearly the physical as well as the, you know, international repression by which the Palestinian people are currently suffering under the genocidal, not not simply apartheid, genocidal campaign by the Israeli state against the Palestinian people whose liberation we must see through in our lifetime. God help us. The Palestinian people's 
struggle brought all these folks together. Guess what? Out of that, nothing really came. Because the groups that were present, that organized it, didn't do their fucking follow through. I went around and collected phone numbers. Guess what? Handed those off. Did old Josh go ahead and call those people back? No. Did I follow them on social media? No. That's me. I should have followed through. What the fuck, Josh, right? But now in going forward, let's look at this. Experience has taught me now. When I go to demonstrations, when I have webinars, when I have a podcast... It's for relationships. It's not just to be smarter. It's not just to be able to post a social media picture with your sign. Oh, I was at the Palestinian rally today. Look at Josh. He's so fucking woke. It's not about, okay, you know, I went to the Palestinian solidarity rally. I did the thing that my party told me I needed to do. You know, whether it's the CPUSA who wants me there as an advocate or the PSL or the DSA or which group. It's not so much as, okay, this is my objective. This is my action item. I went and did this. But it's doing it with the intention of building solidarity and relationality between different groups of express, or, or, or excuse me, of exploited and oppressed peoples so as to be able to develop forward together a movement and a united class struggle that is able to develop into something more. Right? Because we have many different struggles. We have the Palestinian liberation struggle, right? We have many different liberation struggles across the world. We have the Pan Africanist struggle. We have the struggle for indigenous sovereignty. We have the struggle for socialism, for anti imperialism. All of these struggles are actively going on, but they are not necessarily working together. We cannot. There are two things here. We cannot simply all be against the same thing. That's not enough. Because guess what? Me and my mom, right? We both hate, absolutely hate, greedy, rich billionaires and exploiters and corporations that are destroying the land and killing people and taking advantage of folks. My mom prays. I organize. We can't all be united against something. We have to also be for the same thing. So in that way, my mom can pray and I can organize. But if then we both meet up on Sunday and we both go and do the shit and we canvas and then, you know, she prays about it afterwards and I go and organize about it afterwards. That's okay. We just have to be working together for the same thing. We don't all need to be Marxist-Leninists. We don't all need to be Marxist-Leninist-Maoists. We don't all need to be fucking democratic socialists or liberals. You know, we need power. We need control. We need training. I don't know how to run a government. Y'all know how to balance an economy. You guys know how to do international trade. I don't even honestly know how to fire a gun very well. All of these things... We have to learn. Guess what? We're not going to be able to learn those things if we keep 
getting fucking busy, I don't know, getting beat to shit with, uh, wow, Jesus, that was a sentence, getting beat to shit by cops, right, having to go to work every fucking day, dying of the pandemic, you know, being unorganized because we're trying to approach these things individually because, you know, if we do X, Y, or Z, we think it's just going to click for us, right, that we're just going to do it, no, we need each other and we need power. Power comes from organizing and it comes from fighting against the existing positions of power and who's in it. I don't give a fuck at all what you think about the people in power. Guess what? The people in power aren't doing the shit that they need to for the people. If I don't have the power to change that, that has to change. So, there's many ways in which power is built, right? You got your unions. You got your communist parties. You have your, you know, armed struggle. You have community organizing. There's many different things that people can be doing. And guess what? You don't got to be good at all of them. You just got to be good at what you do. And who's going to be better at what you do than you? Who's going to be better at being the best that you can be than you? Nobody. So you don't got to look like nobody else. You don't got to do what everybody else is doing. You know what you got to do? You got to do everything that you can because guess what? That is the best that you can do. So I want to offer some encouragement to my comrades who maybe don't always like hearing about the fact that we're not doing enough because it reminds us all, including myself, about how little we are actually doing. But guess what, folks? The encouragement is this. I love you. You're doing great. And it's going to be so much easier if you just play your part for me to play my part and for everybody else to play their part because if we're all working together, nobody's got to do it themselves. So if you're worried about anything, let me tell you this. We have a necessity right now in this country to rid ourselves of the capitalists and imperialists that are in control of the economy, in control of the military, in control of the government, in control of the education system, and everything else. In order to do so, we first need to have conversations with other people so as to implant into their minds that something needs to be changed. The second thing we need to do is we need to organize with one another. We need to get some experience in. We need movements. Look at Brazil right now. Brazil, right? I think Brazil is a decent comparison to the U.S. empire because the way in which the two settler projects have been developed, uh, you know, especially against the indigenous folks, is a very similar process, right? And Brazil also historically has been used by the colonizers as a medium to not be the main point of oppression, if that makes sense. It happened in places like Argentina um, and elsewhere. It's called, you know, neocolonialism. It's called national uh, petty, national bourgeoisie. It's called many different things. But essentially, my point that I'm trying to make here is in Brazil, in a country with a fascist president 
there's one of the largest active communist-led movements happening right now. And I guarantee you, most of you, uh, many of you might know about it because you listen to the show, but a lot of people don't know about that. There's a lot I still need to learn about that. Thankfully, I got a comrade that I talked to in Brazil. He's been on the show. Go listen to the episode um, with him. There's three of them. But there's also an active armed struggle being led by the New People's Army and the guerrillas in the Philippines against the Duterte regime. There's also on Turtle Island an ongoing movement led by indigenous black Chicano, Latino, and oppressed and exploited people themselves, especially women, happening right now. Fighting Line 5. We heard so much about Line 3, you never hear about Line 5. You got the wet sweating people up in British Columbia holding the shit down, going after CGL, going after the Coastal Gas Link Pipeline. And you know how good they're fighting. You know how good they're doing. You know how much they're resisting and how strong these motherfuckers are. You know how Trudeau, the guy that, you know, likes doing blackface. There's like 30 pictures of him. Anyways, different costumes too. Anyways. So we saw the Canadian government spelt with three Ks come out the other day, go full fascio. And say, listen, if you're affiliated with these protests, uh, we're going to take over your bank account. They can put a lock on your bank account now. And there's more to it that I, again, have a little bit to learn. The next day, Coastal Gaslink reports that outside of the territory where the Wet'suwet'en people are holding it down. A pipeline and some trucks and some tires had slash marks in them. There's a very good chance that this story is being created for the intentionality of stealing the money that is being sent to the Wet'suwet'en people in order to develop their different uh, struggles and buildings that they are having to build in order to protect and house the people. Um, And that's dangerous because guess what? I'm here. I'm here at my house sitting outside about to go into my warm fucking heat, kiss my, you know, partner and smoke my little weed. And guess what? Right now, Wet'suwet'en people need me there in British Columbia. They need you there too. But if we can't fucking get there, guess what we do? We send them money. Now the Canadian government is going to come in here and say, listen, um, some of your protesters, some bad actors, right? Because it's always outside agitators. They came in and they did this, that, and the third. And here's a reason why we're going to steal all this money from you. There's a good possibility that's what they're trying to set up. And if it's not, I just put that out there. And the Canadian government's going to do it. And it's all my fault. So the firing squad is awaiting me. And I can't think of, uh, you know, any reason why I should not let them do just what they're about to do. (laughs) But anyways, no. To to be, like, serious. Like, 100% serious. Join the next webinar with the Spirit of Mandela. Yeah, I reach out. It's 
It's no caps, no spaces. Spirit of Mandela 1. Oh, shit. Let me... I'll go on my email and I'll get you the email to send an email to so that you can ask them about more information. Um, yes, it is Spirit of Mandela. That's M-A-N-D-E-L-A-1 at gmail.com. There you go. You have no reason why not to email them. None. Zero. I better see you at the next fucking webinar. If you're listening to this, there is absolutely zero reason other than timing that you can't get to that webinar. If you don't have technology, if you don't have that, those things, of course, these are other excuses. But my point being, this is something you can do. If you can't do that, fucking please find something else to do. Reach out to me, y'all. Talk to me. Hit me up. I'll talk to anybody. I don't fucking care. I want a mass movement to eradicate capitalism and imperialism. I'll talk to anybody. So in finishing up, I'd like to say this. Listen. Listen to me. We need a revolution. I'm being 100% satirical going forward. None of this can I advocate for legally. Because we live within a fascist state, I have to give these clarifications for my own anxiety. Otherwise, I feel like the fucking feds are going to show up. Because guess what? Jaleel Mutakim spent 48 years in prison for trying to help people. Mumia Abu Jamal is currently sitting in prison because of his affiliation with the move movement and people because they were trying to help people. Leonard Peltier got COVID and, you know, is in prison right now and needs to be freed. Go to who is leonardpeltier.info or freeleonardpeltier.com to learn more, pass out information. He is there in prison because he tried to help people. That is what scares me. You want to know why? Because there isn't a mass movement that is really taking hold in the, you know, the land that we call the United States right now like it should be. So George Jackson, Huey P. Newton, um, Lenin says clearly the blame is not the masses. It is not the masses fault. And how many times can we blame the ruling class? How many times can we blame the material conditions? How many times can we play the blame, the inequality and economic, uh, exploitation and the oppression of people for the further exploitation and oppression of the people? How much longer can we sit here and say, listen, we can't do anything because this big, big bad guy is in the way before we do anything about the big, big fucking bad guy that's in the way, huh? How many times we got to watch these motherfuckers kill kids? Amir Locke, 22 years old. Better gun fucking safety than the goddamn pigs. Didn't have nothing to do. No knock warrant. Get the fuck out of here. No more no-knock warrants. Figure out a way to write legislation in your area and pass that around so that you guys can get rid of no-knock warrants in your area so nobody gets killed like Breonna Taylor or Amir Locke or the plenty of others whose names that I probably don't know because there's so many goddamn names to fucking learn. Do something, y'all. Let's get it. There's a movement that needs to be built. You understand me? We have to understand clearly The situation we are facing, George Jackson says, with the clarity of the brightest and strongest and most fierce dragon and revolutionary as anybody could. And if you know George Jackson, you understand what I mean. 
he says, come, settle your your quarrels, come together. Know that fascism is here. That many will die or live half butchered lives if we do not do anything about it. If you know what the fuck is up and what is wrong, you have no reason why you can't do something. Spam your goddamn contact list on your phone and just build relationships with people. Post on Facebook communist propaganda. Join your union and become a union leader. Do it all. Do it all. Do it all. I've come on here and I talked about, you know, the nature of unions. I've come on here and talked about different kinds of struggles and their failures. And I would like to, you know, maybe offer this little self-critique moment and say that it was never my place or my intention to come on here and say something as if I have this authority or this knowledge that others don't. But it was to point out that if we want a true solution and eradication of the contradictions and issues which are facing the masses of people today, joining a union in and of itself is not enough. Having a single Palestinian solidarity rally demonstration but never reaching back out to the people and never doing anything further does nothing. Just having a community fridge that fills you know, itself every week and feeds people in and of itself disconnected from a political education or a community building uh, movement is ineffective towards eliminating the issues. It temporary, temporarily alleviate, alleviates or identifies the issues, but does not eradicate them. We say all power to the people. We say long live revolution. We say no internationalist imperialist war of any kind against China, against Russia, or any country. And we say the people, the power must go to the masses. The people are who will guide us through. Not just at any length, not just with any ideas, but the people united and fighting towards socialism, fighting with the tools by which Marxism, Leninism, communism, uh, scientific socialism, Maoism, many of these different tendencies and trends give them. But most importantly, we say, get organizing. Again, all power to the people. The only way we get there is by knocking on doors, walking our happy asses up to people, having conversations, joining webinars, joining people's senates, and developing mass movements and mass organizations. Long live the revolution. Again, one last time. All power to the people. Free all political prisoners. The United States is uh, the central uh, political prisoner uh, project. And the further imprisonment of people like Leonard Peltier, Mumia Abu-Jamal, and the land defenders and water protectors that are sitting in cells today proves that the intention behind the capitalist and imperialist system is to eradicate all those forces which will not get in line. That is why we say this is a fascist state, and that is why we say down with the U.S. empire. Peace, y'all. Stay revolutionary.